There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them every month at the Canal Cafe Theatre. This story was performed by David Stevenson. In October 2010. Where the theme was saints or sinners. I always say that I'm the fifth child in a family of six, but that's not entirely true. Um, because actually my little sister Paula is the daughter of my eldest sister Mary. I was born and... Yeah, uh, brought up in, in a fairly small, conser- very conservative town in South Africa, um, where my father was a Presbyterian minister. Um, it's not easy being a minister's child, um, especially not in a small town like that. Cause it feels like everybody's watching you with extra special attention because it's kind of like well, that's how it feels anyway. Um, kind of like they really want you to fuck up because if you fuck up, then they feel better about their kids fuck up because the minister's child's done it. So. To be fair, we did all give them a fair amount of ammunition. Um, and it was Mary who set the ball rolling with a bang, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, what my parents then did um, was, I think, quite amazing. Uh, the Sunday after the discovery, my dad went up into the pulpit and he asked my mother to come up and join him. And they announced to the congregation what had happened and what they decided to do, which was to adopt Mary's child as soon as it was born and bring it up as their own. I think they kind of knew that if they got it out there, then it wouldn't be such exciting gossip for the rest of the people. Um, At the end of every service, my dad would go and stand at the front and shake everybody's hand as they left. And I was too young. I I don't know exactly what happened um, as he was greeting those people as they left. Um, But it must have been pretty awful. One thing I do know, though, uh, he told me about this much later when I was 16, I think. And he told me about one incident. A lady was leaving, and she said to him, I just have to express my sympathy for you, um, because I I can't imagine how terrible this must be. I just know, and I'm grateful, that that I know my children will never put me in the kind of position that you've just been put in. (laughs) Now, the problem with that was... um, there, Her son had been to see my father the previous week with his girlfriend because they were worried that she was pregnant. <laughs> unfortunately, well, unfortunately for me, not for them, um, unfortunately she wasn't pregnant. So this lady never got to understand the full impact of the irony of her statement. Um, 
But it made me realise then I could never, ever do my father's job. Because I would know, know I mean, there was also the added fact that by that stage I already knew I didn't believe in God. But that seemed less of, a, of an obstacle in my, being a minister than thinking I could never just sit there and listen to that and smile. Anyway, uh, looking back, I, I do think that my parents handled the situation amazingly. Of course, it, it wasn't ideal. They, they weren't brilliant in all regards. I was only five at the time. Um, but I remember things very clearly in a way I think you do when those sort of big events happen. Um, there was tension in the house, I can assure you. My dad was kind of hurt and disappointed as he, as he gets. My mother was angry. Um, just quiet anger. My mother's a very quiet, um, mild, um, easygoing kind of person for the most. Very hard to get a reaction out of my mother. Um, a lot of the silliest things I've done in my life have been a vain attempt to get a reaction from my mother. Uh, <clears throat> but... Um, when she reacts, boy, it's not nice. And she re- she, she, there was this quiet anger um, from my mother. Um, she forbade my sister from seeing her boyfriend, Peter, at all from that moment forth. She was taken out of school. She wasn't allowed to go to school anymore from that day on. Um, she sat at home in her bedroom listening to the radio. She, it was her last year at school. She had to write her, her exams by herself in the church with a special invigilator just for her. Um, But she'd sit there, as I say, listening to the radio. Um, I remember that. And I remember there was a a particular song um, that my mother hated. And I heard my sister and my older brothers talking about this song and and why um, my mother hated it. And I kind of laughed in the way you do when you're a kid and you pretend you understand what the joke is, but I really didn't. Um, It was only many years later that I really understood. It was actually very funny because the song was Sylvia's Mother. I don't know if any of you know it. I hear one laugh, maybe. Um, uh, there's no reason for you to know it. It's a pretty crap song, actually. Dr. Hook. Um, but the story of the song is that um, this, this guy phones um, his girlfriend Sylvia's mother, and over and over again he phones her and begs Sylvia's mother to let him speak to Sylvia, and the mother won't have any of it. Well, exactly the same happened. Because every time that song came on the radio, the phone would ring, <laughs> and it was Peter. And he was phoning, asking to speak to Mary. And my mother had to go along to the phone every time the bloody song came on the radio and say, no, you're not allowed to speak to her. (laughs) A couple of months later, however, um, Peter arrived at the door. And there was this general, oh, God, what the... And uh, we were all really, really nervous. Because my mother, although she was very mild-mannered, was kind of unpredictable. And no one knew quite um, how she was going to react. Uh, I remember, five, but I remember kind of very vividly squashing myself up against the wall, kind of sliding nervously up and down, terrified of what was going to happen, but knowing that I couldn't leave because I had to know what was going to happen. My mother let him in, Um, although it might be worth saying why. Um, Peter had been in a motorbike accident just outside um, our house. He was covered in blood. He looked really terrible. It was the day before mobile phones and... uh, Peter's, both Peter's parents worked, but he looked a bit of a mess. And so I think my mother kind of took pity on him, perhaps, um, because there's also, I suspected at the time, and my mother actually confirmed it for me a little while later, I think she took a great deal of pleasure in cleaning Peter's wounds. <laughs> <laughs> she used stuff called methylate, which is a South African thing. I don't think you get it here, but it, it stings like fuck, especially on open graze wounds, which Peter was covered in. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, how that whole uh, uh, 
How that whole event impacted me, though, it was kind of quite profound. I had a, another sister, Janet, who was just about 15 months, less than 15 months older than I was. And Janet and I were inseparable. And my grandmother actually said that uh, my mother used to say Janet and David as though it's one word. <laughs> um, we didn't mind at all. We kind of felt like we were one word. And so when Janet started school, um, I was completely bereft because all of a sudden this person who kind of felt like an extension of me was going off to school. Um, but it happened that it was at this time that Mary was pregnant with Paula and a kind of a really odd relationship developed between us. And she was 12 years old, is 12 years older than I am. Uh, but we really bonded in a way that would never have happened otherwise. Uh, Mary was very confused. I mean, she, was, she was a kid. And it's, 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 everyone thinks it's the, it's the slapper who gets knocked up at 16, but it's not, obviously. It's the dumb kid who doesn't know anything, um, doesn't know how to prevent it. Uh, and Mary was just completely confused, and, and she had no one to talk to. And there was me, his little kid brother. And she started to speak to me more and more as though I were an equal. And I kind of responded. Um, and uh, in a way, I think I, I grew up far too quickly. Um, I, I started being able to speak to her on, on things like what we were going to do with our lives and, and, and the issues which were facing Mary at the time. And uh, As a result, I never quite fitted in with kids my own age. I always kind of never really got them. I, I thought they were a bit odd. Um, one of the ways in which I grew up also was, obviously, I needed to know about how Mary had fallen pregnant. I wanted to know the details uh, about the facts of life. <clears throat> um, I remember very clearly Janet and I had decided we needed to get Dad alone because he was going to be a softer option than Mum. And uh, <clears throat> we got him... In the, I remember very clearly we were standing in the car on the floor in the back, back in the days when seatbelts were for wimps. Um, we were standing um, behind Dad's seat, and we were at the furthest point away from home. We had a long stretch back to home, and we broached the subject. And, of course, he, there was no escape. Um, <laughs> and, of course, he couldn't get away with things like the stalk, because, I mean, Mary had clearly done wrong, that much we knew, and she couldn't be you know, held responsible for a mistaken address by a stork. Um, and also they couldn't do this whole claptrap about mummy and daddy really love one another, etc., because, you know, they didn't want to kind of think that Mary and Peter had that kind of relationship. So basically he had to tell us the facts. And I remember telling with quite anatomical accuracy and detail, explaining it all to us, um, so that when my fellow classmates discovered many, many years later the real story. I kind of looked at them as though they were a bit strange. Uh, <clears throat> added to that also, um, I did my first year of school twice, in effect, because Janet would come home every day and teach me absolutely everything she had learned at school that day. She didn't want me to miss out. So I'd done, the, as I say, first year twice, once in the flesh and once vicariously through Janet. Uh, <clears throat> but I wouldn't change any of it um, because... Mary and I developed, as I say, this, this bond that is kind of strange still to this day. Um, we can go for months without having any contact with one another. But she's always there um, when I need her. I can't remember a dream I've had, bizarrely, that Mary's not in. And I know that she's there if I've ever anything goes wrong. Just as she's been there for me, I'm there for her. If anything happens to her that she needs to talk about. Paul has always known... Um, what the story is. Uh, my parents were called to school one day because they were concerned because Paula was going around telling everybody, my mommy's my mommy, but my sister gave birth to me. 
to their credit, my parents said, well, what do you want us to do? That's the truth. <clears throat> but it's just been one of those facts that we just accept. And I, I tell people the story, and they say, that's a really weird situation you had going there. And I kind of know about that and on a certain level. But the other hand, if that's what you, all you've known, if that's what you've grown up with, you just kind of accept that. Um, Mary and Peter didn't last very long after Paula um, was born. Um, I was quite glad. <laughs> uh, Peter had taken a bit of a disliking to me, I think because I'd been there um, when he should have been there. Um, and we would sit there taking, you know, a little girl and her kid brother were taking their baby for a walk and we'd sit and I remember listening to the frogs croaking and talking about this child and what was going to happen to her at five. <clears throat> but um, I think that the one thing that is unmistakably true for me is that while this was a big sin in many people's eyes, it's a sin that I'm incredibly grateful for. Mary's now married um, probably one of the nicest men on the planet. Um, Paul is also married. They've had children and those children don't see each other as anything other than cousins. Um, and it's easy to forget that it is a strange situation. One time though, and I do remember remembering about it, was Paula's wedding day. Um, Mary didn't have any special role to play on that day. She was just Paula's sister. But odd. Um, I remember, though, dancing with her at the end of the wedding. It was a great wedding. It was a really good time. And uh, we'd both had a lot to drink. We were a bit pissed. And we were standing there with our arms around one another in a way which my father the following day told us was slightly inappropriate. <laughs> I remember not for the first time being a little bit confused as to whether I should be really outraged or just very amused. Um, anyway, we were hanging on to one another and we had one of those conversations that you have very seldom in a lifetime, I think, where conversation without words, where you just know what the other person is thinking, even if you aren't able to articulate it. I remember what she did say to me was that of all the blessings that she considers to have had in her life, having me as a little brother was right up there. And I hope that I said something similar back to her. But what wasn't said, well, of course, it can't be said. But I think it was possibly something like the fact that, in an odd kind of a way, Paula was our child. And it brought us together in a way that a child brings couples together. And so I'm really glad that that Big sin all those years ago took place. For more stories or to take part in next month's show, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.